Welcome to the C3 Church Coffs Harbour podcast. We're glad you're here. We pray that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Set in red. It's our series we've been looking at over the last four weeks. Uh, looking at the direct teachings of Jesus. Look, there it is, set in red. And, um, and this, this particular message that... Um, that I want to sort of talk about this morning is, is something that there's been this thought has been rolling around my head probably for the last month, especially while I was on holidays. I just kept having this thought about this message. And, um, and then there's a bunch of stuff that has gone on this week personally and different things that just like is trying to, trying to shake me, trying to rattle me. And I feel like, you know, the enemy doesn't want us to be active. The enemy wants us to be passive. The enemy doesn't want us to stretch. He wants us to stay. And, uh, and so I kind of felt like I've got to push through and do what God wants to do and be obedient to Him and, and push into that. There it is. Do you feel that? The Holy Spirit just fell just right then. It was amazing. <laughs> and so I want to look at a, a, a little passage in Luke chapter 8. Now we've, we've all heard this. If you've been around church for any period of time, you would have heard this particular story said maybe a thousand times. But there's a particular part of this story I want to emphasize today and, and pull from that some thoughts, some ideas um, that hopefully will, will help us and encourage us in this journey of life we have as God's children. That my hope and my prayer is that where you are today in your level of faith, where you are today in your level of devotion to Jesus, where you are today in your commitment to Him and the development of your leadership skills and ability to serve Jesus, my prayer is that you would not stay there for the rest of your life. And I hope above that prayer that that would be your prayer for you as well. That where your, where your current reality is would not be your forever reality. That you would be growing and, and changing and, and maturing and strengthening in your faith as the Bible would teach us to do. My fear is that we live in a culture and a society where we lull ourselves through entertainment and pleasure and affluence into a place where we take our dependency off God and onto things and we distract ourselves with being um, pleasured by uh, entertainment at the expense of growing our spirit and our connectedness with God. That's a, probably a fair assumption, right? And so, so when it comes to the things of God, we become a little bit, meh. Nah, oh, if I, I'll go to church if I feel like, nah. I'll pray if I, nah. I'll read the Bible maybe, nah. But the new series on Netflix jumps on. Oh my gosh, I'm going to binge for the next month. I'm going to watch 16 episodes and every episode's an hour long and I'm going to do it. And we're not going to stand before Jesus at the end of our life. And you go, right, how many series of Netflix did you get through in your life? Did you get through all of them? I don't think that's what he's going to say. How many, how many cool bits of clothing did you wear? How many, how many concerts did you go to? How many, how many cool things did you experience in your life? I, I think he's going to hold us accountable for what we did with what he left for us to do. So we see this particular passage in Luke chapter 8. It's the lady with the, the issue of, of blood. And we've got a picture here which is a, 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 an old artwork which basically captures... Do we have that? on the? No, well, it's the cross, which is cool because... There we go. Perfect. So we can see that's, that's this artwork of, of that moment 
And so the story goes, if you're not familiar with this story, is this lady has suffered with an issue of hemorrhaging or feminine bleeding for 12 months, sorry, 12 years. That's a significant amount of time. And she has exhausted her finances, perhaps sold her home, sold her assets, sold her stocks and bonds, and invested everything she had into doctors and physicians and and specialists trying to get treatment to heal her condition of constant hemorrhaging. And nothing worked. No doctor could heal her, no remedy would make her better. Problem was, it wasn't just affecting her health, it was affecting her entire life because for her to have that issue in, in first, first century life was, was ceremonially unclean. So, so she was outcast socially from her community because she was deemed as unclean. And we know looking through a 21st century lens, we go, that's ridiculous, that's just a normal thing that women have, I get that. But, but we're talking about a different culture and a different time. So for her, it was more than just a medical condition. It was a social condition. It was a community condition. And I can only imagine the despair and heartache that she would have faced from having this thing that constantly is just there. Like I just think, imagine when it started, like month one. Now this is hard for me because I'm a man to talk about this message. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'm just going to humor me. Month one, expecting it to finish... But it continues into month two and month three. And hold, hold on a minute. This is only meant to last a week. Month five, month six. After 12 months, she wants to go, this is ridiculous. What, what's going on? There's something desperately wrong with me. I, I, I'm dying. 12 years. Some of us are sick for 12 minutes and it's the end of the world. Oh, my gosh. I've got the man flu. Oh. The roof is caving in. 12 years. And so she busts through the crowd. She hears that Jesus is around and, 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 and she, knows, she just knows if I could just get to Jesus, he could heal me. And so what happens is she, Jesus is passing through town. And the, the cool thing was Jesus wasn't even there to put on an Oprah-like ministry uh, opportunity. It was like, there's miracles here. There's one for you. There's one for you. There's one for everybody. He wasn't there to do that. He was actually just passing through to go to visit Jairus' daughter who was dying and he's going to heal her. And crowds heard that he was there and they flocked around Jesus because he was that kind of guy. And so she heard that he was there and she thought, if I could just touch even the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Story goes, she reaches out, she touches the hem of his garment. What happens? Spoiler alert. She's healed. And it got me thinking, if we could just go to the, the next slide. This little circle that's going to appear very shortly. We focus on this, this where the hand touches the garment. Do we have the three slides or just the one? I can. So, so this, this impact zone where, where the hand of this woman touches Jesus and there's a collision, there's a moment, there's a, an exchange of power where, where she experiences and encounters healing. She's touched Jesus, she's touched God, she's touched the source of all life and all power. And that is absolutely where we should emphasize this story. The story is not about how powerful this woman is, the story is not about how great she is, the story is about how great Jesus is and what he does for his people, how much he loves them, that he can heal them. But we focus on that, and rightly so. But, but I just wanted to shift our focus just, just for a little minute. 
and, and coming back from her hand, the impact zone of where she, she reaches and she touches Jesus, I want to focus on her arm, the stretch, the reach, that, that little bit, the moment before the momentum, the, the stretch. Because when you read the passage, the set in red here, Jesus is teaching from this, this story. He says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now, we, all, we know that, that we don't have power to heal inside of us as human beings, as, as just people. We don't have that power. But God has that power, right? God is all-powerful. He can do everything. But you see, our faith is what opens up a, 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 the flow of God's miraculous divine power to enter into us as human flesh and for healing to take place. Our faith unlocks heaven's flow into our life. We don't have the power. We simply have the ability to open ourselves up to receive that power. And that's exactly what we see with this lady. She's not all-powerful. She's not all-knowing. But she opens up her life, opens up her world, opens up her soul to receive by faith the power that is in Jesus to give her healing. And I kind of think, what does that reach? What did that reach look like for her? Now I'm, I'm going to just take a little bit of imagination, liberty here, and, and just tell a bit of a story. But I kind of think, twelve years of having this issue. When she finally sees Jesus, she knows that Jesus is the answer. She's tried everything else and it's failed her. When she sees him, what does her reach look like? What does her posture of faith look like? I can't, I can't imagine her just walking up to Jesus and, saying, and just coming up and going, oh, boop, just a little, little, little touch with the finger. I can't, I can't imagine her just sneaking up with little T-Rex arms, just holding back and just going, oh, oh just touch that there. We'll just, we'll just see what happens. We'll just, we'll just, I'll just try it. I'll just, I'll just test the temperature to see how it's, you know, when you run a bath and you just sort of put the foot in, you're like, oh, just a little, oh, oh. When I, when I hear this story and I read this story, I can't help but think that she is absolutely desperate. And that reach is a reach of I'm reaching, taking a risk with this reach. I shouldn't be amongst these people because I am ceremonially unclean, but I'm going to bust through anyway because I know my miracle lies in Jesus. So I'm going to reach with everything I have so that when my hand touches his garment, I will be healed. My faith is going to be stretched in such a way that, that Jesus will feel the desperation that's in me and I'll receive all that I need to receive. to faith a desperation and I kind of feel like as people we've lost the, the, the sense and the understanding that, that, that nothing has changed for us that our soul is sick like this woman's body was sick for 12 years and apart from Jesus it's just constantly going to diminish and, and wane and everything we need that pertains to life and godliness is found in Christ Jesus and it's by faith we have access to the things we need. 
But what does our faith actually look like when we stretch out to Him? We know that He is the one, He is the source, He is the truth, the way, the life. But, but what does that, that posture of faith look like on the inside of us as we reach out to Him? I remember when I was about 13, I, I've, I've had asthma for all my life, a long, long time. And um, I've been in the hospital a bunch of times as a kid and, and it's been pretty awful. And, and, um, and I was the kind of kid that all through school from kinder to year 12, this is kind of embarrassing to say, but it's true. I, I would have in my pocket a, a Ventolin inhaler and, an handkerchief, and a handkerchief every day in my pocket. Like I was one of those weird dudes that had a hanky because um, part of asthma, there's sinus stuff, so my nose would run a lot. And so I just have to blow my nose into my handkerchief, put it in my pocket. And it was gross, but you know, kept me alive. And so it's one particular day. For some reason, I hadn't packed my Ventolin. And I, I had a less active day that day knowing, oh, damn, I've, I've left my Ventolin at home. So I, I didn't do a bunch of active stuff because as soon as I started to run, it would sort of flare up when I was younger. And so um, I managed to get through the day fairly good, fairly okay. And got on the bus and I started to wheeze a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, I'll be home soon. It's fine. I can take Ventolin. It'll be all be good. I started to wheeze more and more. And maybe it was the exhaust of the bus fumes or maybe all the kids. And the, I'm not sure, but it got progressively worse. And when I got to my, my bus stop to hop off, there's like a one kilometer walk from the bus stop to home. And then it started to happen. Have this asthma attack. And if you've ever had an asthma attack, you know how awful it is. And it's true how they describe it. It's like, it's like going for a run. And then when you're trying to catch your breath after that run, you've got to catch it through a straw. Because <laughs> you're just getting these minimal amounts of air into your lungs. And it's just, it's terrifying. And so that's what it's like. And so it started to, my, my airway started to shrink and shrink and shrink and having this asthma attack. And when I have asthma attacks, I get panic because it's like, obviously you're freaking out. It feels like you're drowning on dry land and, uh, and, and it's, it's horrible. So it's weird because I wanted to get home as quickly as possible to get my Ventolin. But at the same time too, if I was to run faster, it would just inflame it. So I had to get this pace right that I was going fast enough to get home soon, but not too fast. I'm not going to inflict myself with more asthma because of the activity that I was doing. So I got home and eventually I was just like bright red. I was just out, so worn out with exhaustion trying to, to just do anything I can to get a little bit of breath. And the front door was locked. No energy, exhausted. I managed to scramble over the back fence and find a way in through a window or something like that. And then I saw in this glorious moment, heaven opened up and a light shone on the counter where my Ventolin inhaler was. Now here's what I can tell you. When I saw that Ventolin inhaler, I did not just walk up to it passively, have a look at it and say, hmm, I reckon that could be good for me. In fact, I've heard other people say that when they've had Ventolin during an asthma attack, it's been really helpful for their breathing. Matter of fact, I remember in years gone by, I've, I've taken such a medication. It's been very, very helpful for me. Perhaps if I was to take a little, little, little dose now, it could be helpful for this current situation I'm facing where I'm finding it difficult to breathe and probably about to die. Hmm. I, I, I could not get that thing 
fast enough. The, the reach, I, I felt like I was like Michael Jordan in Space Gym. You know that scene at the end where he's doing the dunk and the hold on, he just stretches from half court. And I felt like I was at the back door and I reached all the way through every bedroom in the house to that thing and I got that as fast as I could. And I was like 20 puffs at a time. And I felt relief. Because it's exhausting. And that Ventolin was exactly what I needed to open up my airwaves, my air passages to breathe properly. Here's my point. Jesus is Ventolin for the human soul. Jesus is Ventolin for the human soul. Yet so many of us We've become comfortable with shallow breathing in our spirit. So distracted by the pleasure of this world. So distracted by things around us that feel good and so comfortable that we've forgotten what it feels like to take a massive breath of fresh air in, which is the Holy Spirit of God. To open up our our spiritual lungs, to allow our soul to breathe in the breath of life that Jesus has for us. We've become so complacent and so comfortable living this life we have because we don't really have any major or pressing or urgent needs that we're actually doing quite well for for ourselves. In fact, we've got enough money to live by, enough things to do what we want to keep us distracted, that we're happy to spiritually shallow breathe. And so this this ventil and this Jesus just sits relatively uninteracted with. But when we realize that the human condition is that of brokenness, that our spirit cannot truly breathe until the breath of life, which is God's spirit, breathes into us, then we're not going to have this desperation of faith to reach out to God. We might come to church on a Sunday every now and then. We might give a little bit here or there. We might serve if we're asked, but it's really just because of obligation or whatever but, but when we realize that Jesus is the answer for life when we realize that, that everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in him and it's by faith we have access to those things it shifts everything how is our stretch how is our faith it's like a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos have you played that game Hungry Hungry Hippos it's where there's four little plastic hippos and they've got this little mechanism where you press down and the neck stretches out and the mouth opens up and grabs a bunch of balls in the middle and all the kids get clamber to try and win and get as many balls as they can and whoever has the most balls wins. And I've never seen a kid play that game by going, hmm, now when I press the mechanism, the, uh, the neck shoots out, the mouth opens up and it launches down and grabs onto particular balls. And the more balls I get, I will win. And if I do that again and repeatedly do that, perhaps I will get more balls. By the time they've even thought that the first time, the other three kids in the game have won. Like when you watch a, a kids play a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos, they are banging that thing and it's just like... It's crazy. And that's, for me, that's sort of a really lame illustration of of how I kind of feel like our Christian life needs to be lived out. That there are there are miracles, there are breakthroughs, that these these balls that are there, these the the presence of God is, is there for us to receive and by faith we reach out and receive them. But the thing is, unlike Hungry Hungry Hippos, which probably has 20 or 25 balls in it, there is an unlimited source 
of power, unlimited source of miracles, unlimited source of breakthrough that exists in Jesus. All things that pertain to life and godliness are found in Him. And it's by faith we reach out and grab them. But I kind of feel like sometimes we sit back and we're like, well, if I just press this mechanism, then I might get to have a little bit of breakthrough. I wonder if there's a little bit of desperation attached to our faith where we're just banging on that thing. We're just going to believe God. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep turning up. We're going to keep giving. We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep loving. We're going to keep doing what God has called us to do because the just shall live by faith. Faith is active. Faith is not passive. Faith is what unlocks the power of heaven in our world. And that's the, that's the power there where the, the hand touches, where our life touches that of God and power happens. But it's the stretch of faith. It's that decision that we're going to stretch out, receive God. And that affects everything. We all get the what. The what is God. That's what we need. That's what's going to help us. That's what's going to bring the breakthrough. But I think perhaps maybe we've become a bit complacent in the how. How that works out. How we interact with God. We're going to, we're going to take communion right now as a church. If we could hand that out. And I want us to, I don't want us to go away from this morning and just think about this. Oh yeah, maybe he's maybe maybe he's right. Maybe there's some points there. Maybe I did be a bit more passionate about God. And I'm not talking about hype. Can I just say that? People have accused me in the past of just, oh, you're just about hype. No, 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 I'm not about hype, I'm about passion. There's a difference between hype and passion. Hype is just emotion based, it's fleeting, it's here one day, gone the next. Passion is anchored in purpose and gives us a reason for living, a reason for joy. So we're going to have this communion together. Thank you, buddy. Beautiful. If you're not comfortable with taking these, these symbols, that, that's fine. You can just pass it on. This is, we're, we're by, by no means religious, but we are reflective and we are contemplative and we are obedient to Scripture. And, and the Bible teaches us that um, this little bit of bread, this little bit of juice represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. And that he died and rose again. One, one of the best things, I guess, in my Christian journey has been the release of the passion of Christ because I'm, I'm a visual thinker and I think in pictures and sometimes that's a really really bad thing and sometimes it's a really really good thing and so having that movie is when I think about communion I have these flashbacks to some of those scenes which vividly brought to life the sacrifice Jesus made for you and I 2,000 years ago. And so that's essentially why we do this. We take the juice, we take the bread to remember 
that Jesus, the Son of God, loved us so much that He was willing to be tortured and crucified as the once and for all atoning sacrifice for every human that would ever live. And that has massive ramifications today, tomorrow, and forever. That you and I were once disconnected from God because of our sin, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, if we put our faith in Him, put our trust in Him, put our hope in Him, then we have a relationship with God that gets reconnected and restored. We have a Holy Spirit, God's presence that lives in us and goes with us. And we have the assurance that when we pass on from this life, we'll enter eternity with Him forever. And that's amazing. So when, you, when we take communion this morning, can we, can we not look at just the, the act of us encountering God? Let's, let's move it back to the stretch of faith, the reach of of faith is there is there passion in the faith that we have in God when we think about the bread and Jesus body broken for us does that stir something inside of us a desire a drive or do we become meh that's what we do yeah Jesus he's, he's cool he's a cool bloke does some cool stuff or is it deeply and profoundly personal? Does it motivate you? Does it move you? Let's take this bread together. Let's thank Him. Let's take the juice representing His blood. We've got to be careful not to be too impersonal about these things where we just thank God in a general sense for his sacrifice for every person, but we make it personal. That Jesus went to the cross for you. He went to the cross for me. So God, I thank you that you died for me. My sin, my inadequacy, my insufficiency. Let's drink together. So much inside my heart that I want to just talk about. The world, the world is dying for a cause to live for. If you've got Facebook, Instagram, and we've all got those friends in our friend list that have jumping from bandwagon to bandwagon, flying a banner for this, flying a banner for that. They've got their hashtag trying to reach the world. They're just dying for something to live for. There's next cause, the next... 
And look, honestly, a lot of those things are cool. Like, I'm cool with them. Yeah, people push for gender equality. People are passionate about immunization. People are pass- uh, passionate about animal cruelty. Well, not, maybe not animal cruelty itself, maybe the, the ending of animal cruelty. Um, people are passionate about global warming. And, and so they get on these massive drives because the human condition is searching for a cause. We're dying for something to live for, but you know what? As Christians, we have found a cause to live for that we'd be willing to die for. And that is Jesus. And I kind of feel like, as the church, it's time for us to wave our banner again. I kind of feel like in the face of a world that is so progressive and, and outspoken against our faith system, we have shrunk back, held back, maybe put down the banner. Maybe it's time we picked it up again. Started to be bold. Started to be courageous. Started to be started, started to tr- speak the, the truth in love, rather than just be passive and silent. Just a thought, because Proverbs says, "A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest." And poverty, or some translation says, "Calamity will come upon you." The church in a, in a passive state is not in a healthy state. But the church in an active state is a very, very healthy position to be in. Where we're like this woman. We're imperfect. We've got our issues. But we are stretching out with desperation. Declaring that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. That we need Him. And that affects how we think. That affects how we live. That affects how we give. That affects how we serve. That affects how we pray. That affects how we worship. That affects everything when we know that Jesus is all we need. Thanks for tuning in to the C3CH podcast. We trust this week's message inspired and encouraged you. We hope to see you in one of our services soon. For more information on C3 Church Coffs Harbour, visit www.c3ch.com.